You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light, live from Dave & Buster's at Tempe Marketplace. Now, here's the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Football day in the Rocky Mountains awaits the Arizona State Sun Devils this coming Saturday evening when the Devils pay, play, pay a trick-or-treat visit to Boulder, Colorado to take on the Colorado Buffaloes. ASU will be seeking its first win over the Buffs at Folsom Field since 2014 when the two teams square off this Saturday. We invite you to join us for the next hour as we preview the ASU-Colorado game and talk Sun Devil football with interim Sun Devil head coach Sean Aguano here on the Maroon Monsoon presented by Coors Light. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil football and your host for tonight's show, which is once again this week being broadcast live from Dave & Buster's in Tempe Marketplace, our new home for the Maroon Monsoon. And joining me as always, ASU interim head coach, Sean Aguano. Good evening, Sean. I know your team anxious to get back on the field and bounce back from that tough 15-14 loss at Stanford the other day. It, well, it was a tough one, uh, both emotionally and physically, but uh, our guys have bounced back Tuesday and Wednesday at practice, and so um, we're going to get ready as much as we can, And, and uh, but I, I have confidence in this group uh, that they'll ba- bounce back pretty well. And we'll take a deep dive into all that in just a moment uh, as we uh, preview our show tonight. The tight end position will be in the spotlight this evening. Second-year Sun Devil tight ends coach Justin Wood will join us a bit later in the show, as will two of uh, Coach Wood's players as ASU tight end slash fullback and team co-captain Case Hatch will join us tonight, as will first-year Sun Devil tight end Messiah Swenson. They are in the house, and they'll be with us later this evening. Like a football game, our show is formatted in quarters, so here we go with the first quarter of tonight's show. Welcome to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light, the first quarter. And we welcome back Coach Aguano. I know uh, so frustrating uh, in, in a game where your opponent did not score a touchdown. You have to go back, I think, to 1984, a 6-3 home loss to USC, the last time the Sun Devils lost a game in which their opponent did not make it into the end zone what were your main takeaways from the stanford game last saturday you know i thought our defense played well you know they uh kept them out of the end zone i think our offense uh played pretty good in the first half and then um we didn't find a rhythm in the second half um we didn't cross the the 37 yard line um the plus 37 the whole half and so um we need to make sure that uh we can complement the defense and, and they're playing well I didn't realize that. That's a, that's a great tidbit that you that, that was your deepest penetration was the 37. It was probably on that last drive of it the was. game. You it know? was. So um, you made headlines on Monday when, in the wake of the Stanford loss, uh, you declared that the starting quarterback job is essentially up for grabs this week and the uh, game at Colorado up for grabs between Emory Jones, who started last week and has been the starter most of the season, and Trenton Borgay, who was so outstanding in relief to help win the Washington game on October 8th. Emory last week, 14 of 25, 227 yards, a touchdown, threw one interception, was sacked four times, ran the ball nine times for a net of 27 yards. What was it about his performance that led you to open up the quarterback competition? This you know, week? winning is always uh, is, is a big deal uh, in regards to how can we get over the hump in, in, in those tough games. And, and so 
Um, Trendon did a great job the, the week prior or two weeks prior against Washington. And so um, I want to make sure that the position, and not only the quarterback position, but every position is up for grabs from a competition standpoint. And so those two guys are going to battle out on equal reps this week. And um, probably, hopefully by Friday, I, I made a decision on who's going to give us the best chance to win. Did you at any time in the second half last Saturday consider putting Trenton back in? And uh, what steered you away from that? You know, I, I just thought that uh, Emery, Emery was doing an okay job uh, in there. I just, um, there was a rhythm with the, the offense that, uh, that I thought would have uh, been complementary to the defense in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, we didn't get there. Um, and so, but uh, he wasn't playing bad. And so I just wanted to make sure from a confidence level from an offense that I wasn't just going to just pull somebody yeah. um, in regards to that. What are some of the criteria that you're using this week as you watch them go about their business and practice and probably evaluate the tape afterwards? What are the criteria you're going to use to determine who will be your guy this Saturday? You know, the efficiency, um, uh, effectiveness on, on moving the ball, um, somebody that uh, has the moxie, has the, the whereabouts, um, to lead the team, and also the accuracy part of it. And I want to make sure that, uh, and I don't worry about the two of them because they prepare um, sim- very similar, and, and, they're, and they're professionals about the preparation, but it's the overall outcome um, and who is going to stand up and win that job this week. I'll tell you, when I heard you say those things Monday, the one that struck me big time is the moxie part of it. But to me, there's just a lot about the leadership element that you can sense, isn't there? Absolutely, and, you know, and, the, and the team feeds off of it. The good thing about our team is they trust both quarterbacks. Uh, and so that decision is, is harder as well. And so I know that uh, whoever the, the quarterback is, that the team will um, rally behind them. You've had two practices now. How would you, uh, in general terms, size up what you've seen from your two quarterbacks in those practices? They understand that there's pressure on both of them. Um, both of them have been effective. Both of them have made mistakes. Um, It'll probably take uh, Thursday and Friday to, for me to evaluate, uh, and I'm going to make the sole decision on, on who's going to be the quarterback. You said your team trusts both of them. Do you, do you get a sense that there's more of a comfort zone they feel with one as opposed to the other, the guys on offense in particular? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think they're confident uh, in uh, my decision-making on who the quarterback is. Um, they know both of them uh, prepare very, very well. They go about it, like, like I say, uh, from a professional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, they compete, and so uh, the leaders should do that. And uh, it, is, it is tough because both of them um, do very well in that category. Now, the other newsworthy item from your press conference earlier this week, uh, you told the media that you were going to take a much more hands-on approach in being involved in the play calling in, the, in this game on uh, Saturday. Tell us about that and uh, how involved will you be in, uh, in directing the offense against uh, Colorado? I'll be very involved. Um, you know that uh, I want to make sure that the offense uh, knows that the head coach has a voice in it and, uh, and that I take it really serious mm-hmm. uh, in regards to us uh, performing better. And so I will be very, very involved. Will you be calling the plays? Um, some of it. Yeah. Uh, some of it, most of it. But... Uh, um, Glenn uh, Thomas, I trust as well, and so we'll, we'll be working together. What are some of the objectives and the philosophies that you hope to accomplish with the offense this weekend? You know, I, I think that uh, we want to be more up-tempo uh, from a, from a um, standpoint where we were only probably getting about 60 to 65 plays a game. I want to make sure that we get up in the 70 to 80 range 
And so how do we go about doing that? Uh, um, maybe a little bit of more up-tempo. Um, you know, the philosophy of coordinators change when somebody else comes in and, and how they view the, the offense. But uh, um, everything else, I wanted to make it as transition-free um, as possible for uh, our kids. Yeah. That was the most important thing for me. You uh, did have some uh, good performances from uh, individuals in the Stanford game. Uh, most notably, I think, uh, Elijah Badger just continues to blossom as one of the top receiving threats in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, six receptions last week, a career-best 118 yards, a touchdown, a beautifully thrown 39-yard uh, strike from Emory Jones. But uh, the one that's on everybody's mind is that last play of the game or ne- penultimate play of the game when for a few, uh, what they say in uh, the March Madness video, a few brief shining moments we thought that Arizona State was on the verge of pulling a win out in the final seconds on a great catch by Elijah there at the one-inch line, although he actually was out of bounds. Absolutely. He, he was out of bounds. And, and you know, the, the cliche of uh, uh, it's always uh, in, in inches, you know, the game is game uh, of one, inches. games of inches. And, and it's won um, by guys that are sometimes lucky. But, uh, mm. you know, he's been improving every day. Um, you know, his maturity the way he goes about his business, uh, we know he had the athletic ability to compete with anybody. Um, and I can say that he's one of the, the, the better players on the field uh, when it comes to any team that we play. And, and so making sure that he goes about his business and doing the right things all the time and improve on his maturity. On our pregame show this week, we're going to spotlight one of his uh, compadres in the receiver group, former Utah Ute Brian Thompson. He has really emerged. He's averaging nearly 20 yards per reception on 11 catches over the last three games. And, and boy, he's made some catches in the clutch for you. Absolutely. And, you know, he goes about his business working. You never hear uh, Brian uh, talking on the sideline. He's always going about his business. Um, and he's one of the older guys in the, in the group. And so um, I'm very happy for him because he's been very effective for us. Yeah, fans, give it a listen. I think you'll enjoy meeting uh, Brian Thompson, some interesting things uh, uh, that he has to say uh, from his time at Utah. Of course, he, he carries the memory of those two players that were tragically killed, Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe uh, from Utah. They were former teammates of him, and those are th- th- those memories are things that really mo- uh, drive and motivate him. Now. Absolutely, and he wears that number mm-hmm. because of that. Uh, and so um, he makes sure that he lives every day, um, and, he, and he lets you know that. And, and, uh, but he's a great, great kid. Sean, how did you evaluate the overall performance of the defense? It, it was interesting from the standpoint that Stanford actually, between the 20-yard lines, moved the ball pretty well and uh, moved the ball most of the game. They only punted three times. But, my goodness, when it got down to the nitty-gritty uh, in plus territory, your defense just consistently kept them out of the end zone. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, when it was time for them to make stops, they did. You know, I still wasn't uh, satisfied. And when we talked with the team on Sunday, uh, we we're at 49% uh, completion rate, and that's, uh, that's too high for us. So we need to make sure that we get off the field. But when it counted, um, they made stops. Um, and uh, I was very proud of them because um, they all ran to the ball. They played with passion, and, and uh, they played to the last whistle blow. I thought your secondary played well. Even though you had to make some changes in the secondary, uh, eight pass breakups uh, by your secondary in the game. Uh, Roe Torrance, Ed Woods, I thought both played really well at the corners. And Jordan Clark had a highlight real interception for you. Absolutely. And they're playing against big physical receivers. Um, and we talked about them competing against those guys. And I thought they did really, really well. 
Um, you're not going to stop them all the time, but uh, when it counted, they did. And, and so I thought all three of them, and especially, I mean, everybody in the secondary, Corey Bethley as well, played really, really well. Yeah. Boy, Roe Torrance, uh, he'll go physical to physical with those guys. Uh, Stanford's receivers, as you said, are really big, but boy, Roe, at six foot four, he really looks the part out there, doesn't he? Absolutely, and he's getting better and better, you know, and this is a, a new brand of football for him, and, and he's getting better every week, and uh, he always has a smile on his face, so that's the guy I look for in the morning to cheer up the crowd. How about Ed Woods uh, th- thrown into the fire? Nine tackles, seven of them solo. Uh, broke up a pass and had a sack of uh, Tanner McKee there late in the ball game. He, he did a great job, and, and we, we talk about uh, um, trusting the process, and he's trusted the process and worked and worked and worked, and now he's at a position uh, uh, not to lose it. And I talked to him about that today. I said, every day is a competition for you because there's guys that are, are willing and ready to play, but don't lose the job and make sure that you compete every day. This week, the Sun Devils face a program that is, let's be honest, really struggled in 2022, and like ASU, parted ways with its head coach early in the season. The Colorado Buffaloes off to a 1-6 and six start. They've allowed 40 or more points in all six of their losses, and they uh, terminated uh, head coach Carl Dorrell back on October 2nd. First-year Buffs offensive coordinator Mike Sanford is their interim head coach. He was a former head coach at Western Kentucky for two years, as well as an assistant at Minnesota, Notre Dame, Stanford, uh, among other places. What have you seen, uh, Shauna, on tape of Colorado that would explain the challenges that they've had in 2022? You know, I think uh, it's always hard uh, when you make, the, make that change and for the kids to come and play. But, um, you know, I think uh, there's a little bit of lack of athleticism uh, on the interior, um, but uh, not like they've been before. Um, the kids are trying to play hard. Um, they've been playing hard. They had a big win uh, the week prior, and so... Um, and then a tough one against Oregon State. And so they're getting better, um, and we expect them to be better when we play them. Their last home game, they got their one win, and it was over a solid Cal team, and that was an overtime win, 20-13. to 13. Uh, Do you have to, uh, and you and your staff, have to make sure that your kids are totally locked in and not taking this opponent for granted given their poor record? Absolutely, and we talked about it uh, uh, on Sunday, and we talk about it every day about being 100% committed this week and doing everything right and, and uh, making sure that we come home with that win. There's lots more headed your way on tonight's edition of the Maroon Monsoon. ASU tight ends coach Justin Wood will visit with us a bit later on. Up next, you'll meet two of his players as they take center stage. Tight ends Messiah Swinson and co-captain Case Hatch will join us. But first, Let's take a timeout. This is the Maroon Monsoon broadcasting live from Dave and Buster's at Tempe Marketplace here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Let's start the second quarter of the Maroon Monsoon presented by Coors Light. And we are broadcasting live from the Dave and Buster's at Tempe Marketplace, a great place for food and family fun as we welcome you back to tonight's edition of the Maroon Monsoon presented by Coors Light. We're talking Arizona State football on this Wednesday evening. I'm Tim Healy, your host. Glad you joined us tonight. It's time now to meet our player guests this evening, two members of the Sun Devils tight end group. Our first uh, guest is in his first season at Arizona State as he transferred in 
from the University of Missouri, where he appeared in 23 games in three years for the Mizzou Tigers. This year he has seven pass receptions for 89 yards and a touchdown. He comes from Bay Shore, New York, and we welcome Messiah Swenson to the show and to Arizona State. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Uh, our other guest, he's a veteran of these shows and one of the most re- uh, respected veterans on this football team, a one-time walk-on who quickly became an all-Pac-12 special teams player and this year has consistently ranked among the highest-graded run blockers among Pac-12 tight ends. He's one of the Sun Devils co-captains from Perry High School in Gilbert, Arizona. Always a pleasure to welcome my buddy Case Hatch to the show. How are you doing, Case? Doing great. Thank you so much. Glad to be back. Boy, great to have you on. Let's uh, start, Messiah, with you. I want you to go back, if you could. Tell us about the process that led you uh, to decide to go into the transfer portal and what helped you, uh, what brought you out this way toward Arizona State? Um, I'd say I'll go all the way back to last season, last fall, 2021, um, when I, you know, it started to be on my mind, the decision of, of transferring and, you know, finding a new home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was something that I talked about with my mom and my friends, my brother a lot, and, you know, just a decision that I went back and forth with for a while. Um, but, you know, I, I made the decision. Um, to end up entering the portal after the last game of the season, um, right after our Arkansas game. And, uh, you know, I started my portal journey there. Um, and, you know, the, the main reason for leaving was just, you know, just a better opportunity, a fresh start somewhere, um, somewhere where I'd be included a little bit more in the offense and, you know, get to be on the field a little bit more consistently. Um, and I quickly found my home here at ASU. So, uh, you know, I wasn't in there long. I was only in there for about eight days. And uh, I had committed here. That's great. Uh, what's it? You know, we, we hear so much about the portal these days. What's it like? It, it, there are moments when it must be kind of nerve wracking because you're not guaranteed yeah. of finding a new slot when you enter that portal. Yeah. And uh, it, there must be moments where you're thinking, "Did I really do the right thing?" Yeah. Uh, what's that like? 100. Um, percent You know, it definitely was nerve wracking. And you know, like I said, it was something that you know went back. I went back and forth, you know, uh, with myself a lot about, um, you know, but entering on my first day it was just like okay so you know where are we going to go from here and it's it's basically like you know you put your name in and uh coaches will contact you through the week and you know you'll hear from different coaches via twitter or text or phone calls and stuff like that right um but you know you, you're kind of just sitting around and waiting mm-hmm. um so it's, it's it's definitely a waiting game it's definitely nerve-wracking you know um nothing's 100 percent certain sure. you know you don't know what's going to come of it um but you know i i, I definitely feel like um you know, I, I kept a lot of faith, and, you know, I trusted that, you know, I was going to find a home and land on my feet, and uh, I did. But, you know, I'd say my fourth day in the portal, which was on a Thursday, I heard um, from the coaches here at ASU. They had uh, reached out to me, gave me a call, and uh, by the next, you know, within the next few hours, I had planned a visit, you know, to wow. come the next day on my official. So it was a, it was a quick decision for me, and uh, it was a pretty speedy process. Well, we're glad you're here, my friend, for Absolutely. sure. And uh, Case Hatches was a different journey, uh, as we mentioned, a walk-on. Did you have scholarship offers elsewhere? And uh, if so, what, uh, what led you to make this journey to head down that path to come to ASU? Well, it feels like forever ago that that journey happened. It does, doesn't it? It, it yeah. feels like a long time. You've been here forever, it seems like. <laughs> But um, I remember coming out of high school, I had a couple offers, smaller schools, but nowhere that felt like, like home, right? I just felt like I was going to leave, go play football, and see what happens. But after high school, I decided to go serve a mission for my church for two years. Mm-hmm. Spent that time out in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Enjoyed that time and knew I wanted to play football when I got done. Mm-hmm. So when that time came, I wanted to stay close to home. 
thought ASU would be a great spot. And with Herm Edwards being the coach at the time, I walked on, and, man, that it just felt right. Everything just felt what it should be. Yeah. And I've always felt, Case, that it takes a special kind of player to walk on because most walk-ons, you, you, you know, you're a part of the team. You go through all the workouts and all the practices and everything with no guarantees of ever he- seeing the field. Uh, what motivated you to engage in and decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this on and see what I can do with it? Well, what motivated me during that time was I just wanted to prove that I belonged in that building. And that was the biggest thing that kept me going day in, day out working as hard as I possibly could in the weight room, on the field, um, helping my teammates out, whatever they wanted me to do. Um, if I had to play scout team, defense at the time, if I had to play special teams. That's right. I was willing to do whatever it, it took. And uh, that was my motivation just to prove I belonged, I belonged in this building. You, that's a good point because I remember I had you at linebacker on my spotting board at one right. time. Freshman right? year. Yep. Freshman year. And then uh, you made the switch to uh, offense, and, uh, boy, off you went. And special teams, though, a lot of guys, that's where they can make their mark when they first get into a program, isn't it? 100%. 100%. Messiah, what's your sense of how the guys are bouncing back from what had to have been a frustrating day at Stanford? I mean, it's so unusual to lose a game where your opponent does not score a touchdown. Yeah, 100%. You know, when you lose a game like that or, you know, you lose any game in general, um, it's always a, uh, you know, a hard bus ride and plane ride home. And, you know, nobody, you know, likes that feeling of losing and, you know, traveling home uh, with a loss. But, you know, I feel like we're definitely bouncing back really strong. You know, the, the energy in the building and the facility is, is really high. Everybody's super positive about it. Um, you know, and the, and the good thing about the group of guys that we have is that everybody comes in you know, wanting to get better every day and wanting to fight for that win and get back in the win column. Um, so I feel like that plays a part of it. When you have everybody, you know, working together, for, you know, for one goal, you know, it really it really uh, makes it a lot easier. So I feel like overall, you know, we're bouncing back really well. Case, what's your take on that? And as one of the leaders on this team, what are you and the other captains kind of stressing with the fellas as you try to uh, shake that one off and get ready for the Bucks? Yeah, that was a tough one. Um, you know, just like Masai said, it never sits well with you. Right. It's just you put on you put in this work and then the outcome happens. It could be really easy to, to put your head down and just say, oh, you know what, season's over. But that's not what we're doing. Right. We, we got back in the building on Sunday. Coach Iguano is leading us in the right direction. Um, he said some great things on Sunday. And his his motive right now is we got to be resilient in everything we do and be deliberate. And I love hearing that from our head coach. And that's just kind of the motive of, of the team. And we go to work every single day knowing that as we put in the work, the outcome is going to happen. So we're excited for this week. We're excited for things we have planned. Messiah, what's your take on how practices have gone? And in particular, what have you seen from your two quarterbacks as Trenton and Emery battle it out to see who will be starting in Boulder on Saturday evening? Um, yeah, I'd say practices have gone really well. Um, overall, since, you know, uh, Coach Aguano has stepped in, practices have been, you know, a lot faster paced. And, you know, we've been moving around a lot more, um, you know, so – it's still consistent like that, you know, and, you know, we're in week seven now. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely going well. Practices are, are fast. We're moving around. Guys are happy to be out there. Um, and, you know, with uh, our two quarterbacks, Trent and Emery, you know, it's, a, it's, it's consistently a, a competition every day. You know, you have two really high-level football players, um, you know, who love playing football and love their job and, you know, go out and compete. And, uh, you know, their job is just to make the team the best that they can, you know, do everything they can, put their best foot forward, and, uh, you know, help us go get this dub. So I, I love what I've been seeing out of both those guys. You know, they're both extremely helpful, you know, on the field, um, helping me with offense, learning 
offenses and stuff like that, helping with my reads. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited with I've been seeing out of both of our guys. In case uh, Coach Aguano has said, and I'm sure you probably echo the sentiment, that the team seems to have a trust factor with both Emory and Trenton, don't they? Oh, yeah, I agree for sure. Uh, both those kids, they, they lead in their own way, and it's awesome to see the competition at practice. It's awesome to see how they both lead in different ways um, and just kind of rally us behind them. So I'm excited to see what happens. Messiah, what, what, how would you scout the two of them? Like, what do you feel are Emory's best attributes as a quarterback, and where do you feel is are, are Trenton's strengths? Um, you know, well, I, I, first I think they're both tremendous leaders. You know, that's something that they can both – do is, is lead lead a football team lead a huddle you know when you're in the huddle with those guys they they take control um they're very vocal and you know you, you know that you can look towards them um, you know in a time of need um you know but they're definitely they're they definitely have some differences you know Emory adds a little bit more of a of a dual threat with his legs and you know he can move around a little bit more um and Trenton is you know he's more of an inside the pocket guy and somebody who's not going to get out a whole lot um, but, you know, they're both very dynamic football players and dynamic quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, they both do um, their own things collectively or their own things, you know, individually pretty well. So, you know, I, uh, I love playing with both of those guys. How do you feel about your rapport with the two of them? Because, boy, you sure are an inviting target, 6'8", yeah. uh, uh, about 250. Uh, boy, if I was out there, I'd be looking for you quite a bit, my friend. 100%. Um, I feel like, you know, my relationship with both those guys is, is really good, you know, um, you know, being at practice and being with those guys since I, I've been here since January. So I got to throw with uh, Trenton for a while now. And That's I got right. to work Emory out with him. didn't come in until later. Yeah, he huh? didn't come in until a little bit later. So I've known Trenton a little bit longer, um, you know, and I built a rapport with him a little bit earlier. Um, so that was great. You know, I feel like T and I are on the same page with a lot of things. You know, today in practice, you know, he, he pulled me aside and just talking through, through some routes and, you know, what he would want me to do in certain coverages. Um, and with Emory, it's the same thing. You know, we talk about you know routes and looks all the time and he talks to me about you know things i should have done differently um so my relationship with both of those guys is great um and, you know i love them those are my brothers well miss i has been talking about the quarterback's case i want you to brag on the running backs that you block for so so beautifully uh you got a couple of good ones uh x validay who's on the verge of i think becoming uh i forget the st- the stat of how many but there are very few backs in the history of college football that have run for 4,000 career yards, and he is 77 yards away. And he's already got 400-yard games this year. Uh, what's it been like to block for him? And uh, Daniel Ngata can certainly carry his share of the load as well. You know, just to say, just to back on what you just said, I hope he hits that number this weekend. You know, that would be amazing. Uh, secondly, our running back crew is awesome, right? You got X, Danny, um, even there, the boys behind him, right? We got George, and um, we're always working. We're always trying to do better. Tevin and, White, the freshman. Oh, yeah, Tevin's doing great, too. From my neck of the woods back in Virginia. Yes, sir. Tevin's doing great, too. Um, but it, with that whole crew, man, they just bring a great energy to practice every single day. Um, whether they're going with the ones, the twos, or even on a scout team, the running back is, is putting in the work, and mm-hmm. you can see that. And I love blocking for those guys because I know that they're going to read it perfectly, right? My, bo- my block might not be perfect but they're going to make it perfect off their breaks. Yeah. And that's just the trust that I have with those guys, talking with them every day, going over mistakes from practice that I might have made, how I can make it better, what I'm going to do to change it so that they can get open in the field. Messiah, some quick thoughts from you on Saturday's game. You're playing an opponent, as we've said. They've struggled this year. But, uh, uh, boy, in this day and age in college football, you can't take anybody lightly, can you, especially when you're going on the road to play them. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you can't take anybody lightly. You have to prepare for every opponent, you know, that's uh, – 
like you do, you have to pair the same for every single opponent every week. Um, you know, no matter what the record is of the team that you're facing or, you know, what they've been going through, um, you got to prepare the same. So, you know, I'm excited. Um, I love the, the stuff and the install that we put in this week and the plays that we're running. Um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of dynamic stuff and a lot of stuff that, you know, get our playmakers open and get our guys, you know, down the field. So um, I'm excited just from what I've seen, you know, on film and the, the stuff that we've scouted so far throughout the week. Um, you know, we had a pretty good plan going. Case, how do you feel about the mindset? Do I think guys are in the go. right place. We got, a, we got a lot of trust right now with our coaching staff. And just me personally, man, I've been waiting 10 years to play for Coach Iguano, and here it is. You know, growing up, played against him in high school every single year. Um, but, man, we just have a great trust in our coaching staff. We know that they're going to put us in the right position to be successful. We're going to have the right game plan for this week, and we're excited to get going. And uh, this is our first chance to uh, buy. It's really coming late, but we want to congratulate Case. He's now a married man. Your yes. wife, Sammy's here tonight. And uh, uh, it was January 28th, right? Yes, sir. That, uh, how's married life treating you? It's amazing. You know, you really change when you get married, and I love it. Your mindset change, your motives change, and uh, you become a better person when yeah. you get married. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're so glad to have Sammy here and uh, so glad to have you as part of the program, my friend Case. Messiah, yes, thanks sir. for joining us as Absolutely. well. Two great guests tonight, won't you say, folks? Uh, Messiah Swinson and Case Hatch, two members of the Sun Devil Tight End Group with us tonight. Coming up, we'll meet their boss as ASU Tight Ends coach Justin Wood will join us. You're listening to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. Now this time out here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. This is the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. The third quarter. Today, Sun Devil fans, the new Sun Devil Athletics Game Day mobile app is here. You can manage your tickets, receive breaking news. You can also light up Sun Devil Stadium with the Sun Devil Lights integrated smartphone light show and a whole lot more. Download it today from the Apple Store or from Google Play. We continue now with tonight's edition of the Maroon Monsoon presented by Coors Light. We are broadcasting live as we do every Wednesday night during the college football season at Dave and Buster's in Tempe Marketplace. I'm Tim Healy, your host, the radio voice of the Sun Devils, and we're glad you're with us. Our guest in this segment is a gentleman now in his second season as Arizona State's tight ends coach after previous stops as an analyst at Boise State and as an assistant coach at Georgia Southern and Cal Poly, where in 2016 he was the play caller for a Cal Poly offense that averaged, averaged, nearly 344 rushing yards per game, the second most that year in the football championship subdivision. We are happy to welcome assistant coach Justin Wood to the show. How are you, my friend? Good to good, see you, Tim. Justin. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming on, man. Uh, you had a good run, eight years, I think it was, at Cal Poly. What do you remember from those experiences, and how did that help prepare you for the journey that ensued? Yeah, probably an uncommon road in college football i think right now where someone gets to be at one place uh, for that long of a period of time but things kind of um went really well for me and my growth process in coaching Uh, i had just finished playing uh in the arena league the arena league shut down i was actually actually still playing at that time and i was coaching high school football with my dad up in portland when we found out that the 2009 season was going to be canceled uh when it was my college head coach had taken the head job at cal poly um, called me and said that he had a spot for me as a wide receiver coach. I uh, wasn't going to pay much, uh, but I wasn't going to have to GA. And, and 
could come down to California and go go to work with him. And, and oh, by the way, San Luis Obispo is one heck of a beautiful place to live, right? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, it's a pretty good place now. Uh, I was living uh, one block off the beach in Avila uh, Beach. It was a pretty, pretty good little spot. Yeah, so. the uh, Sun Devils, we played uh, baseball. Cal Poly has an excellent baseball program, and we played them in the 2014 NCAA Regional there. So I got to uh, spend a weekend there, and it's incredible. And no doubt. And Coach Walsh knew that was a big selling point, being from a, a kid from the, the true Northwest in Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon, where he sees about 265 gray skies a year right well like, i used to live in go seattle down so yeah, yeah you know what i, I, mean, I know too. the deal so but everything kind of went well there i was receiver coach for three years uh, we had movement on the staff um uh and then i was able to move into the the quarterback role uh in the pass game coordinator and then was there another three and then we had more movement and then i became uh the offensive coordinator for a year and, and really really loved my time out there and, and the growth that i was getting from that standpoint but you know, another opportunity called it and a door opened, and I felt like it was time yeah. um, to, to go to a new challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, weren't you on the staff at Cal Poly when they played here against Arizona State in 2015 and <laughs> gave the Sun Devils a run for their money in that game? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, it was 21-21 the fourth. We had the ball, the chance to take the lead, and uh, uh, didn't get it done on the fourth and two. And then Burko, you know, Burkovich was here. Uh, when I first got here, and mm-hmm. like to talk about that when he had two big touchdown passes on the back end of that game to put it away. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think you found that, that we weren't very talented compared to the teams we were playing very often there. But the, what we did in the run game gave us an edge, and um, you know all those fire breathing dragons you guys had on defense that year. Oh, I was in pregame. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We're, we're not going to gain a yard. Um, but the old triple option was a great uh, equalizer that As day, was, and, and yeah. we found ourselves in a, in a good ballgame. Yeah, I think Antonio Longino was the, one of the stars of that ASU defense, and he should, probably should have been the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year that year. <laughs> Tim, you're not kidding when we were on the field in pregame and the look in some of my guys' eyes that game. Um, <laughs> that was one of my better sales jobs before the game, getting those guys motivated and believing that they were uh, capable of competing. And, and it was fun to see him do it for a while, and eventually the – the more talented team, um, you know, was able to, to pull away from us. But it was a fun game. It sure and, was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, that was, I think, the, the second week of the 2015 season for ASU. Tell me about your tight end group. How do you feel about the growth uh, and the development of your group so far through these first seven games? I love right now what I'm seeing in the growth that is showing up on Saturdays. It's just the reason that you get into coaching. Um when you see your players do things today or tomorrow that they didn't do the day before, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to help them in whatever capacity that is and, and the way you're preparing them and their confidence in what they're doing and the way you're training them and these reactions to very complex things uh, to do it the right way and what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, the, as a group, um, like even Case and Messiah have um, such a great maturity and as just fantastic young people and good football players. But as a group, we didn't have a lot of experience on college football Saturdays uh, as far as the number of plays played. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys, too, that maybe were new to football. And let's not forget Jalen Conyers, exactly. too, a big part of that group. No, yeah. no question. No question, Tim. And, and so knew that there was going to be a learning curve to things and, and our growth and, and experience as we move through the season, and, and I think things are really starting to come together for them uh, with their confidence on what they're being asked to do, their roles on this football team. Um, 
and, and doing things the right way. They've been just unbelievable, being uncomfortable, trying to do things uh, that I'm asking them to do that, that maybe feel awkward at first or, or you know, aren't natural to them. Um, and these guys just come out every single day. If you've been to a practice field and just see the work habits on field that these guys are putting in, and uh, it's starting to really show up on Saturdays. And maybe not every fan can see it on any one given play, but when you put on the tape and you can say, man, that's what it's supposed to look like. Or when your opponent can look at you uh, and watch our film and your opponent says, oh, wow, these guys compete. These guys play hard. These guys finish. Oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Those are the things that, as a coach, you get really excited about um, to see those, those things uh, take place. Yeah, Jalen Conyers came up with one of the biggest catches of the season, I thought, uh, first down on the winning drive against Washington a couple weeks ago. Messiah is such an inviting target, and Case is as good a blocker as there is in the country in the tight end position. And I think, no question, I think all of these guys have um, their strengths, They and, and we try to play to those strengths, and then they have the things that they're working on and improving. And I think, you know, you've been able to already hit it on the head, and what you see them doing um, on the field on Saturdays and, and doing at a high level, and it's, they're just going to continue to get better. I think right now we're at that point we're really starting to turn the corner um, like I was telling Sammy Case's wife, like how proud I am of him. We're like two games in a row. You know, football is very simple. You, you have a job to do. Uh, when you get done watching the play, did you do your job and get it done? Did you line up correctly? Uh, did you block the right guy? Did you not make the play? Did you pass protect correctly? Did you run the right route? Did you catch the ball and you had your opportunity? In Case, over two games is 100% wow. done his job. And what that equals is, you know, reliability. That equals trust and um, that also earns a lot of respect from his, his teammates and his, his coaches. And um, that's just really fun to, to see him doing those things that he's being asked to do. And like you mentioned with Jalen coming up with that big catch, uh, you know, against UW. And, you know, just not being, you know, early in the season he had, a, uh, I think, again, some of these guys with their experience maybe overtried at times. Mm-hmm. Right? They wanted to play well so badly that maybe – it didn't show up in the production that they were capable of. Right. Not right. because they weren't capable of doing it, but they were trying so hard. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it for them has been, hey, just relax, trust yourself, right? And just play the game. Play the game the same way you played it when you were, you know, 12, 13 years old and started playing this game. Play it with a smile on your face. Play hard and finish and let big plays happen. And like with Jalen, it was really nice to see him come up and do what I think he's capable of doing in a huge situation and the moment not be too big for him. He's got as good a a ball skills and natural catcher is, is anyone in the, that, that I've been around. Yeah, young man that started at Oklahoma, and that was a huge catch at midfield, and uh, shortly thereafter the Sun Devils got the winning uh, touchdown. When you're on the recruiting trail, what's the profile? What are you looking for? What qualities in uh, a tight end that would be a great fit for uh, the Arizona State offense? Yeah, you know, that's, that's a really good question um, and have really done a lot of – spent a lot of time and thought and, and research – you know, into that. And, and a lot of it comes from, you know, pro dimensions being your starting point. And if you look at the top, uh, you know, 25 tight ends in the NFL, or you look at this year's draft class, for instance, what you're going to find are guys that are 6'4 to 6'6, between 245 and 255 pounds. And so I think from a, you know, dimensions, a specs standpoint, you're looking for guys in that, that ballpark 
uh, that can grow into fitting that mold. And then I think you're looking for guys that are big athletes, big receivers, guys that are capable of being very dimensional or multidimensional in an offense and putting a lot of stress on the defense. Uh, obviously, you're not going to play tight end if you're, if you're not physical and you don't have a toughness about you because if sure. you can't block, you're not going to be on the field, Tim. And I think, you know, you're looking maybe for that big athlete receiver type, but with the toughness uh, that you can develop and train and, and get them to be uh, dominated in the run game. And that's when I think it becomes fun with all these guys really in our, our offense getting an opportunity to work toward being a complete tight end. Um, and that's like I said, that's kind of the, the starting point, mm-hmm. um, you know, from that standpoint. I think playing tight end, too, you, you have an interesting um, kind of character you're looking for with guys that can be that, – that want the ball as much as a receiver does and want to impact the outcome of a game as much as a receiver. Because we know those guys think they should all be getting 15 targets a game, right? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you want that. I've never been around a great football player that did not want the ball in his hands and did not want to directly impact the game. But you're looking for a young man that has the humility of an old lineman that says, Coach, I just gotta, I'm going to do my job, whatever that is. And when I get my opportunities, Coach, you better believe I'm going to make them. Right? But you need that humility um, and the joy in the physical part of the game and saying, hey, Every play in a run game is me against you, Tim, right. and I'm going to tap you out. I'm going to win, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not going to be me. You're the guy that's going to tap. And they find yeah. they got to find that joy in that. Yeah. And uh, and when you can find that those qualities, both physically and mentally, and that mindset, uh, I think you got a great profile uh, of a of a young man. I think also you know football IQ and their ability to learn. Because mm-hmm. to be honest, tight ends probably do more than any other actual position because they have to do everything a receiver does in the pass game. They have to do all those things that old linemen do in the run game. They have to block like receivers in space. They just get asked to do a lot of things. I'll be honest, I think having coached receivers and quarterbacks and then been in the O-line room a little bit before really going into it, it really has opened my mind and changed my perspective on um, how difficult of a position, you know, in, in a true football player you have to be to play this position in an offense like this. Wow, those are some great perspectives from uh, the gentleman who is in charge of the Sun Devil tight ends. The tight ends are in good hands at Arizona State with Coach Justin Wood. Great to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming Tim, on Tim, always tonight. a pleasure. Thank oh. you for having oh, me. Oh, delighted to have you on the show. Justin Wood, Sun Devil tight ends coach, our guest tonight on the Maroon Monsoon. Coach Iguana will rejoin me in a moment as we look ahead to Saturday's game up in Boulder against those Colorado Buffaloes. But first... These messages here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. The fourth quarter is next on the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. We thank you for joining us for tonight's installment of the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light, coming your way live from Dave & Buster's Tempe Marketplace. Come join us uh, every Wednesday night from now till the end of the season. We talk Sun Devil football. I'm Tim Healy. Interim head coach Sean Aguano rejoins me now. Once again, Sean, you got to sit in the audience and hear two of your players uh, crush it on the interview segment. Uh, what did you think of uh, Case Hatch? And I'll tell you what, uh, both those fellows, Case and Messiah Swinson, I think could be radio analysts if they uh, ever wanted to uh, take up the work. Absolutely. Every week uh, they're getting better and better. Man, it's, uh, it's incredible. How about uh, what Justin Woods brought to your staff? He's, you know, you bring that professionalism, you know, the love for football. 
um, and he's done great uh, things with those this tight end group. And uh, again, like you said, they're getting better and better, and it's showing up on Saturdays. Is the tight end is that something you'd like to see incorporated a little more in the offense uh, as the season winds down? Absolutely, because they're a very versatile group, um, and, and they go about their business uh, every day at practice. Um, they're able to block, they catch the football pretty well, and, and uh, so we'd love to get them involved in the game. Let's uh, talk a couple of personnel notes, if we could. First of all, your uh, tremendous co-captain guard, Ladarius Henderson, uh, sat out the uh, game at Stanford last week, a hand injury suffered against Washington. Uh, my understanding is he'll be out again this week. How's he progressing? He's progressing well. Uh, you know, ahead of schedule, he will be out this week because uh, of uh, his surgery, and so um, he should be back within the next couple of weeks. How did you evaluate the play of the reshuffled offensive line? Uh, Coach Cavanaugh had to do some uh, repositioning of players to fill uh, the absence of Ladarius. Henderson. That is always hard because they're, un- they're very uncomfortable. Um, uh, they've been playing the spot for so long, and now the communication changes, um, the blocking schemes changes, you know, the angles uh, change. And so um, they're just getting used to it. I think they're, they're going to be a lot better this week. Cornerback Isaiah Johnson, who's shown a lot of potential this year, did not travel for disciplinary reasons. What's his status for this week? Uh, he's ready to go. Um, he's taking care of his business um, and was held accountable um, for uh, some a mistake, but he's uh, ready to go. He's, he really has shown some promise, though, hasn't he? Absolutely. And, you know, his maturity, um, you know, it's tough for kids in, in the transition, but uh, his maturity over the last few weeks uh, has, uh, has shown and, and – uh, He's taking care of his business. And that will even further fortify a cornerback group that played very well at Stanford. We talked earlier about Roe Torrance, Ed Woods. Of course, your nickelback Jordan Clark had a good game as well. What concerns you about Colorado's football team, X's and O's wise? You know, um, uh, they're very versatile on offense. I know uh, Coach uh, Sanford uh, pretty well, and and, uh, um, he's a very bright coach. Um, They're getting their defense is running to the ball. They're bringing more pressure. And so they're taking a lot more chances. And, and uh, with that, we have to make sure that uh, uh, we are detailed and deliberate on our side, especially on the offensive side. It seems to me teams like that are always so dangerous when they just pretty much have nothing to lose. Aren't Absolutely. They? And, and when, and when uh, those players play that way and they play loose uh, and they still have passion for the game, anything can happen. What kind of game do you expect it to be in terms of uh, do, you, do you see it a high-scoring game? Do you see it a defensive struggle? Do you get a feel for what type of game we'll see unfold Saturday evening in Boulder? You know, I think it's a, a game of chess. Uh, the first quarter kind of play out that way, and then we'll see uh, what happens. But I think it will be a high-scoring game. I think, my opinion, I think it's a mindset game for your team in, in a lot of ways. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, us coming back uh, from that tough loss in Sunday and seeing how they persevered uh, for these next couple of games will set their mindset for the rest of the game, for the rest of the year. And not only that, I think, but just how they're able to deal with an opponent that is down in his luck right now and and not let up against this yeah, team. And we can't play down to the opponent. We need to make sure that we play our best game, uh, and that's every game uh, going forward. But uh, I think we'll be ready for these guys. The Colorado Buffaloes up next for the Arizona State Sun Devils, and uh, that game will be on Saturday, and the Sun Devil Radio Network will have it all for you. Our coverage will begin at 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon, the Sun Devil Tailgate Show 
hosted by Jeff Munn. And Jeff Van Raphorst, Kevin Turner, Sean Crespin will join me for the play-by-play beginning at 4.35. And you can hear the game on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM as well as ArizonaSports.com and the AZ Sports app. And then Money will have Sun Devil sound off immediately afterward. Thanks to our Sun Devil Radio Network engineer, Sean Crespin, for his help tonight. Thanks to Molly Gardner of the Sun Devil Radio Network, our buddy Cody Fincher, our technical director. Thanks also to Nate Wainwright from Sun Devil Football for his help as well. And thanks to our great fans and the folks at Dave and Busters who are such great hosts. Sean, good luck this week. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you, folks, for joining us. We'll be back next Wednesday night. We hope you'll join us then. Till then, for Coach Iguano, I'm Tim Healy. Thanks for listening. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Maroon Monsoon, presented by Coors Light. The Maroon Monsoon airs live from Dave & Buster's at Tempe Marketplace. Sun Devil Football is an exclusive presentation of the MidFirst Bank Sun Devil Radio Network.